You're listening to the Winning Teams Podcast, presented by Jet Dental, the premier pop-up dental clinic for workplaces nationwide. Now, here's your host, Jordan Smith. Hey, everyone, and thanks for joining us on the Winning Teams Podcast. Today, we're excited to be joined by Christy Garcia. And Christy is a leadership coach, speaker, facilitator, and founder of the Digital Mindful Choice Leadership Academy. She has 17 years of experience in sales, recruiting, and coaching. And after 10 years within the walls of corporate business, working as a recruiter and in sales management in the healthcare industry, Christy grew increasingly frustrated watching talented individuals be promoted to management and fail to reach their leadership potential. So she courageously left corporate America and started her leadership coaching business, Mindful Choice. Over the last 11 years, she has worked with business owners and leaders from fast-growing and modern organizations, including Airbnb, Twitter, Movement for Life, and Sunrun. Christy's modern approach is designed to be simple. You just have to choose to be 1% better each day. So Christy, we really appreciate you joining the show today. Thanks for having me, Jordan. I'm so excited to talk with you and hopefully provide some value to your uh, audience. Yeah, well, right out the gate, tell us a little bit more about the winning teams you're building at Mindful Choice. So I work with fast-growing organizations. Um, Typically, you know, a lot of people think startup immediately, but a lot of times it's just organizations that they've been around for a while and they just kind of had this boost and they're growing their team and they're expanding and um, really that change and growth culture is what I thrive on and where the ego thrives as well. And so my niche is ego management. Within those organizations, we just really like to help um, maximize the human side of the business, get, you know, communication to where it's productive and effective with every team member from top down, being able to really maximize the alignment, the accountability, and make sure everyone's at the finish line together. Yeah, I love that. We we had the opportunity to connect a little bit before the podcast, and I was really excited to talk more about ego management. I don't think we've spent a, a whole podcast really dedicated to that topic. So tell me a little bit more about ego management, maybe specifically how ego manifests itself in the workplace. So ego management, it, it's definitely one of those things that is not something that we all talk about, but we all think of the ego in one way, shape, or form. And most of us think about it as the loud, arrogant love you know, person in the room, the jerk in our, our life or whatever. And I actually look at it a lot more simple than that. I think of it as our unconscious brain. Every single one of us has one and it runs our show unconsciously. And so we've got three egos that typically show up in our life, which also means it shows up in our workplace. And within organizations, a lot of times that ego can be what creates, you know, confrontation. It prevents delegation. It prevents um, collaboration. It uh, It doesn't allow teams to align around the greater good or to get everybody on the same page. Accountability is a struggle. And so when you could start to learn about how the egos are showing up on a team, how they're working together, how they're holding each other back, you can really start to shift language, shift communication, and get everybody on the same page. Get conversations to where they're productive and effective. Maximize leadership. Maximize each person on the team um, so that they are empowered to show up and really do their part so that when everybody gets to finish line together, everybody feels like they are part of the story, part of the success. Mm. Yeah. You mentioned three egos. Uh, What are, what are those egos? So there's the complier, the protector and the controller. Um, The complier is the side of us that is kind, caring, compassionate. It puts people first. Um, Unfortunately, when the complier ego is overused, so really quickly, 
the ego is both our strengths and our weaknesses. When we overuse our strength, it typically turns into an unconscious behavior and it starts to hold us back. And so as a leader, um, we typically don't want to function overusing these strengths because it's more of an eye-focused behavior or tactic. I must win. I must be right. I must be liked. And we leave the whole we component out. Mm. And so when you step into leadership, being a parent, being a friend, being a boss, anything like that where the we really matters, you need to get everybody to the finish line. You have to make sure you're managing back that ego and using it at its full strength. So again, the complier, when you're using it as full strength, it's people first. It's a good quality to have um, that gives everybody that compassion, that, uh, that caring component loyalty, that sort of thing. Unfortunately, the overuse is, you know, struggles to speak truth, struggles to hold people accountable. Um, it's really hard to delegate because right. you don't want to upset anybody or, you know, burden them with a task. And so results typically get pushed um, to the sideline in order to try to spare a relationship. Um, the protector, on the other hand, is the black and white thinker, very um, high integrity, speaks true, sometimes to a fault. Um, they also are very uh, visionary and they can see outside uh, outside the box. They're, they're big problem solvers. Unfortunately, because of that gift to always problem solve and kind of see that bigger picture um, and always be 10, 10 steps ahead, they typically always see problems. And so they tend to be a little more of the negative side. They'll be black and white. So it's either right or it's wrong. Um, there's not a lot of gray in the protector's world. So they can come across as very stubborn, very confrontational. Um, even though the protector in all of us is actually where our authentic confidence, confidence is. It's where our values lie. So it's really important to make sure a protector is using their strength at the, the fullest potential because that is the cool, common, collected, grounded individual in each and every one of us. Unfortunately, when it's being overused, it can come across as very emotionally driven, um, which can be very extreme energy. Yeah. Um, the controller, on the other hand, that is your results first, people second um, personality. So lots of lots of passion, excitement, um, lots of drive, ambition. This is where our perfectionist lives. So very much a image-driven individual, lots of success, lots of um, focus. Unfortunately, when they're in that mindset and they overuse these strengths, it can come across as micromanaging. It can come across as a freight train energy. Get on the train or get off or I'm going to run you over. I'm getting to that finish line. So a lot of times the controller will end up at the finish line by themselves. And so really teaching them how to balance that and bring the people on board with them. Yeah, I love that. I, I, I'm curious, Christy, do you feel like you see a pretty fair balance of, of the strengths and weaknesses in the leaders that you coach? Or do you feel like there's, you know, tendencies of, of uh, leaders to be, you know, overuse one, one of these three? Absolutely. We all have one to two dominant egos. Every single one of us overuses them daily. So it's usually, you know, some are obviously more apparent than others. Some are uh, more conscious about their behaviors than others. The ego is never going to go away. So it's not that you do this work and all of a sudden you have no ego. Um, the ego is part of you. It's been designed since you were a child and it will follow you for the rest of your life. Ego management is really about just awareness. Being aware that it's there, knowing you're good, bad, and ugly. When you cross over, what does it look like? How quickly do you catch yourself? 
are you willing to apologize and own, mm. own that behavior? Or is your ego running your show, which makes you defensive when someone calls your ego out and tells you you were not showing up as your best self? Um, you know, I think that's the most common thing that happens when we don't take ownership of our ego. We typically will um, get defensive. We'll make excuses of why we did what we did. Or we'll say, hey, they were a jerk, so I was a jerk too, right? And we justify <laughs> our bad behaviors yeah. versus just saying, oh, wow, yeah, you're right. I I was too direct. That is not my intention. Let me let me rephrase that. Or, you know what? I just realized I shut down the whole room and no one's collaborating with me. Let's reopen the space and have it invite everybody back to the conversation, right? And so, again, it goes back to self-awareness and ownership. The ego doesn't like to own our ugly side or even just our mediocre side. It always wants to tell us we're not doing a good enough job and we have to prove ourselves. And so when we can start to manage that voice back in our head, then we just get to show up with authentic confidence. We get to own all of us, which allows us to just be more real, be more authentic, and hold our integrity in those moments when we cross the line of not being our best self. Yeah, I love that. I, I'm curious how you help people identify it, particularly maybe ones who struggle mm -hmm. with take, you mentioned taking ownership. I really love that. I think obviously if someone's willing to take ownership, um, you know, that's your, your best case scenario. That's someone you can work with. If they're having a hard time taking ownership, you know, maybe how do you help them identify that? I mean, as you went through the list, for me, it's pretty easy to identify uh, maybe some of the ones that I, I for example, I tend to be uh, a complier slash controller probably. Mm -hmm. um, yep. and, and so I tend to fluctuate between um, being, I think, maybe a little bit too hard on my team where I'm very results oriented and I'll recognize that. But then I almost go too far the complier side and I become, I, I think the business term is, is a wuss. <laughs> and not anybody accountable, right? So I do tend yep. to like struggle. I, 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 I have a hard time, I think, finding that middle ground. Um, and I'm, it's good that I recognize that. But I'm, I'm curious, A, first, how do you help someone recognize it, right? If maybe yep. they're having a hard time taking ownership. And then B, how do you coach them through it? And what are the next steps? Yeah, it's such a great question. And you know, I think you're you're describing everybody's egos. You know, we all can do these things and then we feel bad and so we pull from our secondary one, right? And yeah. Especially if you happen to fall on the, you guys are on, you, your two egos, the uh, complier and controller, they're on two opposite sides of the spectrum, right? So one is all people, the other one's all tasks. And so these you, you do usually co collide a little bit. And that awareness is really is key because we, we do bounce in and out of them all the time. You might manage back your complier, but then your controller kicks in, right? And so if you're not aware yeah. of both and how they show up, it's tough. So step one is that self-awareness component. We have a 360 tool that we use that really helps people identify, you know, where am I at? What I love about the tool that we use, it's all about self-awareness and perception. So there's no truth on it other than this is perception and perception is truth because it's technically your reality, right? And like being able to recognize that everything on this, um, chart that they get is, is changeable, but it's also something to help you say, wow, I can't argue with this, right? If I want to argue with it, it's my ego arguing with it, trying to deny, trying to justify our behaviors, but really being able to take that deep dive into this is my current impact. Do I like it? Do I not like it? What do I see? And then getting very curious, you know, so many of us can take ownership of our best, of our worst self and be like, yeah, I know I do that. But in real time, do you really take ownership? That's like phase mm -hmm. two, where you have to kind of, I 
it's not just saying I do it, but now you have to own it in public, right? Which means that it's vulnerable. Um, It takes courage. It takes you having to trust yourself that you're capable of owning a weakness in public and then saying, but I'm still okay because I know that I'm capable of either being better or just by taking ownership right now, I am better, right? And that's kind of the, it's almost a mindset shift when we start to do ego management. Um, Once you take the ownership of it, uh, that self-awareness component just gets bigger and bigger. It's a muscle that you're training. It starts to then turn in just authentic confidence. So often the ego tells us that we're doing a great job or tells us that we're not doing a great job. And either way, we walk into a room and act like we got, we're all put together. We're doing great, right? And we put our show on and we've got our mask. And the reality is, is most of the time, that's an ego-driven facade of confidence. And we start to, you know, fake it till we make it. And the reality is when we walk out of those rooms, we, or, or even before, we either have these anxiety attacks, we're just like, oh gosh, people are going to know that I'm a fraud. They're going to see right through me. They're, no one bought that. And we have these, you know, deep dive stories within ourselves. And so another part of ownership is really getting clear on the mindsets and beliefs that are driving these behaviors. Mm-hmm. You know, it's one thing knowing what you do. When you know why you do it, now you can change that behavior. When you don't know why you do something, it's really hard to change it because you're just doing what you do and that's just what you do, right? And so really getting into a little more depth of the purpose of why did you show up like that? Why did you say that? Why did you, you know, why did your energy come across as too intense? Why did your energy come across as grumpy when you're tired? Um, Most likely there's a deep-seated belief that either you're trying to be liked you're most likely trying to prove that you're right or you have worth and value. Or maybe you just know my idea is the best. I don't want to hear anyone else's. And you shut that energy off immediately, right? And so whatever whatever the ego-driven motive is behind your behaviors, that's typically, as soon as we identify that, it starts to shine light on every action, every motive you do, which makes it much easier to manage in real time. Yeah, absolutely. I have maybe a two-part question. One is mm-hmm. the most common mistakes you see. Uh, yep. And then second, do you have any success stories? You know, some that come to mind of, you know, maybe leaders or companies, even whole cultures, you were able to help kind of turn yeah. their thinking around. Absolutely. Um, so the common mistakes, you know, I think the most common thing I see, I wouldn't even call it a mistake. There's patterns in this work. The ego's smart. It's been with us forever. It's gotten us, you know, to this point in life. So our success is part of our ego's work. Unfortunately, what happens is, if you're not conscious and intentionally choosing to do this work every day, then it will outsmart you. And so about week four to seven, people start to either get really deep into the work or they kind of start to check out because the ego is starting to say, whoa, 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 you're figuring me out. I'm going to keep you really busy. So this is no longer a priority. Mm. And I think that's probably the most common thing I see that derails people from doing the ego management work because they... Again, the ego tells you um, that task had to be, you know, done yesterday. And so you have 57 things on your to-do list. You never have time to do personal development. You never have time to do professional development. You never have time to invest in yourself, whether it's going to the gym or, you know, doing self-care or just taking a rest because you're tired. Um, The ego doesn't let you stop if it's good for you. And so this work is something that you have to be committed to. And, you know, it's hard. Let's be real, like going into your, you know, bigger why is a big, big question. Even though once you do, the success stories are there. I've had so many great, great, great clients come through. And I would say, you know, 
85% of them have a success story at the end of the academy because they committed to the work. And when you do do the work, your relationships are more meaningful, both at work and home. You know, one of my favorite um, things that I hear almost from at least one person, most of the time it's multiple within each academy that runs, is by week three or four, people already are starting to see their impact and they're starting to take ownership of their role in relationships. And most of the time, it's different than how they originally thought it was. And so they're starting to, you know, show up with more confidence in their partnerships, whether it's again, professionally or personally to where they yeah. feel like they're a part of something. They feel like they're now, you know, speaking up and giving their opinions. They're asking for the help they need. Um, a lot of times the, you know, controller ego, we keep up, I, I say we, because I'm a controller and, you know, we keep up this image that everything's great. So we don't tell people when we're having a bad day. We don't tell people when things are going wrong, you know, wrong or when we need help. And when a controller can stop and slow down long enough to say, wow, I'm really tired. I'm really burnt out. I need some help. You can start to then shift. And that's when a controller can buy back time. They can, um, you know, start delegating and producing more of what they do well and start teaching that gift instead of hoarding it. Um, they can start to communicate more effectively so more of their team members are at the finish line with them. And more importantly, they'll start to feel more fulfilled in their relationships and partnerships because a lot of times, you know, the ego keeps us at a distance from everybody. So we're not always emotionally available, which means that we just don't communicate effectively. We have these walls up. We have our, you know, stories that we tell ourselves that prevent us from um, talking about our real feelings and I, they don't always have to be gushy and they don't always have to be, you know, touchy feely, which is a lot of times what we're scared of as humans, but just being real. Yeah. You, you know, I always talk to compliers and one of the funny things that always come up with compliers is I, uh, ask the simple questions of what, what do you want for dinner tonight? And it's like, I don't care. <laughs> well, fine. Let's go have, you know, sushi. Well, I don't really want sushi. Right. But, but a lot of times they won't even say they don't want sushi. They'll just go and maybe even have an energy. It's like, ugh, I don't really want to be here. And then they're annoyed that they didn't speak up, right? And so it's like that end, never-ending cycle of unhappiness that a lot of times the ego will create. So when you can just say, hey, I want pizza tonight. Um, and not worrying about that you're going to hurt someone's feelings because you have an opinion. And so again, just seeing that authentic confidence come alive, giving people permission to show up. You know, one of the biggest things, I just ran a workshop for uh, about 10 10 leaders uh, for one organization and they were all in the room second workshop they're sitting here and you could just see the realness start to happen we at that point we were starting to, to do our worst self list and you start talking about you know those ugly ego traits and when you start to share your ugly side you realize you're not alone you don't have to be ashamed you don't have to be um, you know embarrassed that maybe you are one that Let's say you yell too much at your family or at your employees. Let's say you uh, maybe are too passive that you just, you feel like you have no worth or value. Like there's, yeah. some, everybody believes this stuff, right? And so when you can start to see that, you know, a third of the room thinks and writes exactly the same stuff on their worst self list, you just start to feel normal. Like, oh, okay. We just normalized all the crap in the room. And now we get to just have a normal conversation and you have humans back in the workplace. Like it's so empowering. And I think that's one of my favorite things to do in this work is just empower people to show up. 
Yeah, I love that. I, I'm curious, I'm thinking it through these, you know, complier, protector, controller. Um, <laughs> what pops in my mind is who's the hardest to work for? That was my first mm-hmm. question. Do you have an opinion on that? You know, it really, that's a hard one because it really depends on your own ego type. Yeah. As a controller, it would be really hard for you to work for a complier. Um, because they're not direct enough, right? As a complier, it's tough to work for a controller because they're too direct. They don't praise you enough. Um, So it really kind of just depends, and which is why it's so incredibly important to know your own ego and to know the egos on your team. Because just Mm. by knowing your own ego, you know how to then translate language so each ego on your team can hear you. Um, And vice versa. If you know your ego and you're working with a boss who has a different type of ego, knowing why you're having, you know, conflicting um, arguments all the time or why you're not aligned and why you're not on the same page and being able to just change one small um, language uh, in the conversation, like you're actually able to shift the approach of the entire team. And that's really powerful work. If you look at the three egos, the motivators, so compliers, they're motivated by people, right? So they are, they want to be liked. They want to know that the, you know, people are first. So if you include that in your conversation, they'll most likely not check out on you. Um, protectors, they want to be right. And so they need to know that they have worth and value. So if you immediately go in to tell them what's wrong with their idea or why that's not going to work, you're going to have a lot of confrontation. Um the controllers, it, they are motivated by being the best and getting results. So if you talk results, facts and logic and uh, people, you're going to hit all three languages and you'll be able to get people moving quicker because you're not going to have as many roadblocks. If you're a leader and you identify maybe a mismatch with someone mm-hmm. you manage, right? You're a, you gave the example of your controller and you've got a complier on your team. Um, what, what effective strategies do you have for that leader to connect with the with someone who's different for them and maybe to help that person um still believe in you as the leader and 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 still be a cohesive part of the team yeah so first and foremost you have to know your own ego right you have to know how to manage back your own ego if you can manage your own ego you can change your approach that then can manage everyone else's ego um so step one is one recognize what is it that's not working within that partnership where does the confrontation happen most likely it's two egos that are battling, right? Whether it's, again, the controller egos, you know, trying to talk too direct and too task oriented and the compliers just not showing up and they're shut down. Um, or maybe it's the, the protector ego who's too black and white and not descriptive enough, a very high level um, abbreviator in their discussions. And so no one's really following where they're going. It's like, uh, so we, what do you want us to do? And then they're super annoyed. So they just end up doing it by themselves. <laughs> and so, you know, I think it's uh, recognize again, what's your ego? What's your part? That's always the most, the simplest question. If you can start with what's my part in shutting this person down or creating this conflict or having this difficult conversation. Now you can take ownership of your part out loud and you can start to break down again, that human side of the conversation, the elephant in the room that says, okay, I just took my part. Now what's their part. And you give everybody permission to then acknowledge what's my part in this situation. How can we actually work better together? What do we need to have a successful partnership and just having real conversation about it like that. That I think is what comes from this work the most is we stop having sugar-coated conversations or no conversations at all and acting like everybody's happy and we're all fine when 
the word fine really describes that no one is okay and everybody's unhappy and we're probably all miserable just going along to get along because that's what we do as humans. Yeah, I, I love that. And, you know, unfortunately, we're, we're getting close to time. I do want to give you, you know, the opportunity to give the final word. Um, what is your best advice for building a winning team? My best advice is dump the old training model. You know, if you're just teaching uh, tasks, skills, competencies, you're not focused on the human side of your business. You need to bring humans back to business in order to maximize the success of your team. You know, when you can find the value in everybody on the team, everybody can work together and there's a level of respect and common language between everybody, you can just get everybody moving in such a more cohesive, more productive and more effective way. And you start getting that finish line a lot faster with a lot less drama, you know, take the drama out of your business and just enjoy it again. So um, ego management, definitely something I recommend for everybody. But if you don't go that route, then just get some self-awareness, ownership and communication going through your team for sure. Yeah, well, Christy, speaking of that, um, obviously, you've given us a lot of great advice and nuggets about ego management. But if our listeners want to learn more, how can they reach out to you? Absolutely. Please reach out. Um, So we have the Mindful Choice Leadership Academy, and um, they can reach us at our website, mindfulchoiceacademy.com. They can reach us on LinkedIn, uh, Christy Garcia or Mindful Choice Leadership Academy. And then also um, feel free to just good old fashioned way, Christy at mindfulchoicecoaching.com. I love to talk to anybody live and really figure out how we can manage the egos within people's organization. Excellent. And we'll put those links in the description of the podcast as well. But Christy, it's been great to have you on the Winning Teams podcast today. Um, we're we're so grateful for your expertise and, and excited about everything you're doing to change the culture of the the winning teams that you you're helping build across the country. So congratulations and best of luck as you continue to help people manage their egos. Thank you. I really appreciate it. Actually, one thing I forgot to mention, Jordan, I do have a freebie for your audience um, just to help break down the egos more. So everyone can figure out a little more about their own ego and how it might be showing up on their teams. They can go to mindfulchoiceacademy.com slash winning. I love it. Awesome. Mindfulchoiceacademy.com slash winning and a, a wonderful freebie from, from Christy. So thank you for doing that for our listeners. Absolutely. Um, again, Christy, really appreciate you joining the show. And uh, we, we wish you the best of luck as you continue to build winning teams across the country. Thank you, Jordan. Thanks for what you do as well.